Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 88 of the Box Hard Podcast. Two fat ladies, 88, of course. Right, I'm your host, Joey Coastman. We're going to waste no time. We're going to go straight into things. But, of course, first things first, we're going to welcome the two people I've got with me this week. It's the reoccurring Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Some weeks he's not here. Some weeks he is here. He is here this week. So, Ayaz, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Yep, I'm very good, very good. And also, we're going to welcome a new panellist, a lady that um, may be involved in quite a few of our forthcoming shows. So I just want to bring in um, B. B, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Very good, very good, thank you. Right, we're going to dive straight into part one. Part one, of course, being the review part. So we're going to revisit the fights from last weekend. We're going to start with a card that happened over in I think we're going to we're going to we're going to go and start over in the USA. This one took place I believe on Friday. I could be mistaken. I think it was last Friday. It was over in the Masonic Temple in Detroit, Michigan, USA. Uh, one fight on this bill to mention really, the American double Olympic gold medalist Clarissa Shield, she moved to 3 and 0 and in doing so she also picked up the it was vacant, it's now not vacant, the WBC silver female super middleweight title. She picked up an 8 round uh, unanimous decision victory over Sydney LeBlanc who had a record of 4 and 1 with one draw. So a decent little step up there for Clarissa Shield. She also now picks up her first piece of silverware. So all the very best to her. Moving over now to Argentina. A couple fights to mention on this bill. I can't really pronounce the venue. It is, uh, it's a bit of a mouthful for me. But um, top of the bill, Diego Chavez, former opponent of Tim Bradley, former opponent of um, Brandon Rios off the top of my head and many others. He moved to 26 professional wins. He's got two losses and one draw. He picked up a KO in round two over Jean-Carlos Prada, who had a record of 32-3. and three. Prada was down twice in round two, and it was called a halt. Very good win there for him. And also on the bill, brother of Marcos Maidana, Fabian Maidana. He moved to 13-0, and 0, and he's world-ranked, so he's looking to be moved pretty quickly. He picked up another knockout. He picked up a knockout in round four against Pedro Verdu. Verdu was down once in the fourth round, and I think he received a standing count and then went down again, and the referee jumped in, and that was enough. So good win there for Fabian Maidana. Moving over now to Denmark. Our very own Luke Blackledge went over there to take on the old crafty veteran, Lalenga Mock. Lalenga Mock, a guy that, as I said on last week's show, a man that once fought David Hay when David Hay was a young cruiserweight. Lalenga Mock actually dropped David Hay when they fought and he got the better of our man Luke Blackledge unfortunately so Luke Blackledge comes back with an L his record now 23 and 4 with two draws and Lalenga Mock picks up victory number 40 he's also got 14 losses and one draw can't really see him having many more fights but nonetheless a good win for Lalenga Mock over in Denmark moving over now to Estonia we thought that Ian Lewison was going to be on the bill against Robert Hellenius we thought that Derek Chisora was going to be on the bill against Robert Hellenius. We wasn't too sure who it was going to be. It ended up being neither of them. A man stepped in at late notice called Evgeny Orlov. He had a record of 17 and 14 with one draw going in. Um, it was for the vacant WBC international silver heavyweight title. Orlov was deducted a point in round four for hitting after after being told to stop by the referee. The referee called um, stop boxing and all of threw a shot so you know he, he was deducted a point for that in round four he was also deducted a point in round five for continuously pulling down Hellenius's head and all of decided after six rounds to not come out for round seven it was probably a wise choice but a win there for Robert Hellenius against an opponent we didn't really want to see him in there with but nonetheless another win for him 25 and one now that's it from Estonia moving over now to Germany our very own Paul Smith some people like him, some people don't, but he got in there again at world level. He took on the WBA World Super Middleweight Champion, Tyrone Zoiger. 
Tyrone Zuiger had an unbeaten record, 20-0 with one draw. Paul Smith, 38-6. and um, Ayaz, I know that you didn't watch this fight. I managed to catch a bit of this fight. Um, B, if I'm not mistaken, I think that you got to watch a bit of this fight as well. So I'll come over to you in just a moment. Um, I'm going to give my take on it. Basically, for me, I felt that... I felt going in that... Smith was the underdog. I felt going in that Smith would need to put on a performance like he did in the first Arthur Abraham fight to really have any chance against this guy. A lot of people don't really rate Zuega too highly, but um, I think he hasn't really had a chance. I think this was a good fight for him, you know, to, to kind of make a statement, especially to that German um, crowd, that, you know, that German uh, fan base over there that he's got. So, yeah, this was the name for that. I think that Paul Smith, it had been a long time. Some people forget that first Arthur Abraham fight, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was back in 2014 or, or maybe even early 2015. So it was quite a while back now. Um, he made the weight. He actually did look pretty pretty good on the scales, in my honest opinion. But it just wasn't enough. He, um, he got outclassed pretty much from the first round. Um, it was tough to see some of it, to be completely honest. Um, he, he didn't really win a round that. I think maybe you could probably give him one round at a push. He was also knocked down in round 12, and he went absolutely crazy. But I don't really know why, because he had absolutely no chance, you know, no chance at all. We were all waiting for him. You know, there was loads of people like Tony Bellew. We were all kind of waiting for him to just go out in maybe like the 11th or 12th and just pile it on. Just, you know, just throw anything you can. Even risk getting stopped trying to get the victory out here. Because you know you're probably not going to get a, a decision in Germany. And, you know, I'm not knocking them for that. You probably can't. It's pretty hard to get a decision over here these days. But we just, we, we were waiting for so long and he just didn't have it. So I think that Tyrone Zoiger was the younger, fresher guy. He was he was a lot quicker throughout the fight. I think the speed was a bit of a problem for Paul Smith. And every time Paul Smith unloaded and we were, you know, we were, we were pretty biased because we were behind him trying to, you know, we were trying to just wait for him to do something. Whenever he unloaded a combination, Tyrone Zoiger would land another combination in response to that and it would just be much more effective. So... Yeah, it was hard to see, but we definitely know that's hopefully his last shot at world level. I like the guy. It's, it's a shame. I, w I wanted him to become a world champion, but he just wasn't to be. And I don't think he's going to have an easier crack at anybody else, especially in the near future. So, uh, yeah, that's what I saw over there in the Ritual Arena, Germany. I'm going to come over to you, B, just before we move on from this subject. What did you make of that fight? I totally agree with you, actually. I thought coming out onto the scales, Paul looked in really good shape. Um, he obviously lost uh, a fair bit and got really toned for it and it looked like he was ready for it, really focused unfortunately I just thought he was getting pretty much outboxed and, and wiped out really um, I didn't think he was throwing enough um, and, and, and Zoiger obviously was just a better opponent all round um, I, obviously I don't know why well he had a go didn't he for his third titles um, but uh, I just think he should uh, well finish the game now um, so, as I said, I only saw uh, probably about three or four of the rounds. Uh, but, um, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't great for Paul at all. Yeah, I think um, if I had a chance to, uh, to to just watch three or four of the rounds, I'd have probably done the same. You didn't really miss much, to be honest. <laughs> so, uh, it is what it is. Uh, very unlucky there for Paul Smith. Moving over now to the Casino della Valle over in Italy. Probably pronouncing that very wrong. Um, we know that Italians and, and the cards over there, they really like to pad records. And it's very rare that you see a, a really good-looking card on paper over there. So um, a, a guy called Emanuele... Blandomora, who got stopped by Billy Joe Saunders once upon a time. He fought for the EBU European middleweight title. He picked up the belt. He picked up a unanimous decision win over 12 rounds against Alessandro Godi, who had a real good-looking record, 30-1. and one, But again, you just don't know how padded it was. Um, Blandomora now 27-2. and two. Alessandro Godi, 30-2 with one draw. Also on the bill, Carlos Takam. He took on Avika Bakurin. Um, Avika Bakurin, I've definitely seen that name before, I can't really remember off the top of my head, I'm not going to click on his record, I know that he's definitely fought someone, it might have been David Price, if, if it might have been David Price, I think David Price probably stopped him, um, do you know what, I'm going to even go as far to say it was probably on that Everton Tony Bellew undercard. I'm going to have to check that afterwards. So, uh, brownie points to me if I get that right. But Carlos Takam picked up a knockout win in round two. He now moves to 35-3 and three with one draw. Uh, his opponent was down twice in round one and once in round two. Um, 
A knockout win for Andrea Di Luisa. That's a former opponent of George Groves. George Groves stopped him last January, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he moved to 18-4. and four. His opponent was knocked out in round one. Um, Andrea Scarpa was also on the bill, former opponent of O'Hara Davis. He lost to him, of course. Uh, he picked up a points win over six rounds against Georgie. Oh, God. Abra, oh god, Abramishvili, I've probably got that very wrong, but anyway, another win there for Andrea Scarpa, I quite like the guy, he, uh, I remember being at the press conference for O'Hara Davis and he was just swearing left, right and centre, he didn't even really speak much English, but what he did know were, um, were pretty, uh, pretty funny uh, pretty funny language, pretty uh, pretty bad language. It was very funny. It made for good watching. Um, also on the bill, Devis Boschiero. His record forty one and five. Pretty padded. He's been at European level. He picked up a points win against a guy who was free and free. Uh, that just really gives you an indication of how padded these records are. A man that's forty one and five taking on someone who's free and free and going six rounds with them. So. Uh, Nonetheless, the 42nd win there for Devis Boschiero. Moving over now to the Waterfront Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. A couple of fights to mention on this bill. This one was, of course, the Box Nation show last week. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and go through this pretty quickly. I'm going to start with... Uh, with the undercard, uh, Paddy Barnes, he was in there against Silvio Ortianu. Now, Silvio Ortianu was a guy that has been around for quite a while. He's a guy that, um, you know, he's very tough. He's a guy that has pushed many men pretty close. His record was 16 and 11, but I did say on last week's show he's a lot better than what his record suggests, and he turned out to be that. Um, he kind of rolled back the clock a little bit, I think. I, I think he, I mean, he hasn't had that many fights, but he's kind of, um, he, I don't really think he's fought to that kind of potential for a few years so he kind of rolled back the clock so to speak in that way um, Paddy Barnes maybe even possibly overestimated him or sorry underestimated him a little bit uh, he was obviously only 2-0 and going in there it was for the vacant WBO European flyweight title so it's good to see these guys being moved very quickly to fight for the European title in just your third fight is exceptional so I'm very happy for Paddy Barnes for winning the fight but um, yeah there were some, um, some rounds that were kind of going either way it was a little bit hard to score in some parts of the rounds um, it was one of those fights you just didn't really know what was going to happen. It was going to show us some interesting scorecards. It ended up being a majority decision win there for Paddy Barnes over 10 rounds. So uh, he picks up the win, but yeah, definitely it wasn't one-way traffic. It was very much back and forth there. Also on the bill, Craig Evans took on Stephen Ormond. Craig Evans, to be honest, really looked the better fighter throughout. Um, Ormond was also knocked down twice in round 10. I uh, might have been a little bit harsh there. He he did he did okay in some of the you know some of the early parts, but as the fight went on, he just didn't really have it in the in the tank anymore at this age. Stephen Orman now twenty four and four. Craig Evans seventeen and one with two draws. That was for the WBO European title. Craig Evans title. He gets another defense there. And now the main event. I think probably it wasn't the main event in terms of the way the card was panned out, but certainly on paper, John O'Carroll, 13-0, took on John Quigley, 14-0. It was a very good fight, this fight, actually. It was for the vacant IBF East and West Europe super featherweight title. A bit of a strange belt, but um, no, it was a really good fight. Uh, you know, two-way traffic, definitely. There were many rounds that were very hard to score. Sometimes it kind of felt like it was one round to one guy, then one round to the other guy, and one round to one guy, and it was kind of back and forth like that. So um, very good action there. You know, that's totally what we expect from two unbeaten fighters, both afraid to lose their O's and really fought with their hearts on their sleeves. So it's very good to see there over in the waterfront hall. John O'Carroll ultimately picked up the win. Um, I think on paper he was probably the slight favourite, and it was a split decision win over 12 rounds for John O'Carroll. So uh, very good win there for him. And moving over now, to the main card of last weekend in all honesty moving over to the Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino um, a couple fights to mention on this bill I know that if you're any bit involved in boxing you certainly know that this bill took place it was absolutely huge I'm going to start with the undercard Russians Dmitry Bivol he moved to 11-0 with a brutal TKO of Cedric Agnew who had only been stopped, I think, the once. I think it was against Kovalev in round seven, if I'm not mistaken. So Dmitry Pavol gets him out of there in four. So a bit of a statement there, a bit of a measuring stick kind of fight. Cedric Agnew now 29-3. and three. He did not win a second of, it, of, of any round, really. Dmitry Pavol just kept coming forward, landing shots at will. He couldn't miss with a right hand. He was just absolutely brilliant. Um, definitely one to watch out for. We've been kind of banging the drum about him for quite a while now. Also on the bill, the man that opened up, 
up the telecast, certainly on Box Nation anyway, during the fight. I think it was two in the morning start, if I'm not mistaken, Saturday night, Sunday uh, morning. A man that's been on the show before and a man that's going to be joining us on the show a little bit later, Lewis Arias. He moved to 18-0 and with a TKO in round five against Arif Megomadov, who had a record of 18-1. and It was supposed to be both guys toughest test on paper going in but I tell you what Luis Arias did not make it look like that he had his man down in round five and successfully got another defense of his USBA middleweight title so very very good stuff there from Luis Arias moving over now to a strange 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 one Guillermo Rigondo putting his WBA Super World Super Bantamweight title on the line and also his IBO World Super Bantamweight title on the line against Moises Flores Moises Flores 25 and 0 um, Rigondo 17 and 0. Now, this is what I wrote down because I took some notes during the fight. I was um, I was shocked, firstly. So, this is the events. This is the order of events how the fight kind of unfolded for me. So, firstly, I'm going to say that at the end of the day, Rigondo ended up walking away from that fight with a KO in round one. Now, this is what I saw. Rigondo was landing shots with his hand... Um, behind the, the other guy's head, so he had his hand on the back of his head while you know landing up, you know shots, uppercuts, etc. But I didn't see the referee jumping in to to tell him off for that. But it just so happened, just as it was all going off, the bell went. So when the referee jumped in, initially I thought he was jumping in to you know to separate them because it was the end of the round, as every referee does. The bell had obviously sounded, and he kind of jumped in. The referee, but then Rigondo landed a left hook clearly after the bell. Clearly after the bell, did the left hook land, and it was a really, really big shot. But in my opinion, I think that Moises Flores definitely made a meal out of it. He definitely tried some kind of attempt to get Rigondo disqualified. Um, it was a huge shambles by the referee Vic Draculic. Very embarrassing. Um, you know, he actually had to leave the ring and watch some computer replays and find the commissioner, along with asking other referees for advice. Vic tried to cover up his shirt microphone for the entirety of the shambles. But we pretty much heard everything he was saying. So it was really interesting. At first he was going to rule it a no contest. But then he ended up deciding to change his mind and call it a knockout. So in hindsight, it shouldn't have been ruled a knockout. Because the the shot landed after the bell. I'm just talking by the rules here. Uh, That's what the rule book would say. But Flores did milk it as much as he possibly could. So maybe he deserves it. I mean, I felt it was a little bit harsh on Flores. But Rigondo was always going to win that fight. So... I don't know if you look for a way out. I don't know. It was just it was it was just crazy. The whole thing went on for about fifteen minutes. The referee was gonna do about three different things. In my opinion, I'd have probably given it a no contest, but that's what I thought at the time. I'm not making that judgment in hindsight. At the time I thought, no, this is you know, this has got to be a no, a no contest. The referee said he didn't even hear the bell. So it was just i I've never seen anything like it. I'm gonna throw it over to Ayaz first. What did you make of this? It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy, but I reckon that fight should have not counted. I reckon it should have went to no contest, in my opinion. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, B, did you happen to catch this card? It was obviously pretty late. Yeah, unreal. I I watched the fight for sure. I couldn't believe it. Um, At first, when I saw the punch, I thought, oh, that was a good knockout. However, well, Flores, I don't know whether... He looked like he was just closing his eyes. It didn't look like he was knocked out, did it? Um, And then the bell. So that would have changed the whole decision again. Um, why don't you just watch the replay? They were all standing in a circle outside the ring, having a conversation and trying to try and determine what had just gone on in that ring. Watch the replay for one. Um, but it was pretty messy. Um, I think it should have been an uncontest. However, again, due to it could have been an accidental, I don't know, it could have been the right decision. So. It would be good. Yeah, you're right. I think Rigondo definitely would have um, beaten him anyway, no matter what. So probably is just the right decision overall. Yeah, it was certainly messy. That's what we will agree on. Um, We'll leave that fight there. I think uh, we could probably talk about what happened all day. We could probably sit here and talk about what happened longer than what the referees and all the commissioners. And I think he was even shouting out for someone called John at one point. We, We could probably talk for longer than those guys did. But moving over now to the main event for the WBA, IBF and WBO World Light Heavyweight titles over in... Las Vegas, of course, the rematch, Ward Kovalev 2, Kovalev Ward 2, however you want to call it, Andre Ward 31-0, and 0, Sergei Kovalev 30-1 and 1 with one draw, that one loss being 2, Andre Ward. Now, for me, it was 
in some ways, I scored it a little bit similar to the first fight. Um, you know, there were many rounds what were kind of like one round here, then one round to the other guy, as I kind of said earlier. Um, there were many rounds that were pretty close. I actually had it, and I've got my scorecard here. I actually had the fight scored. The first three rounds I gave to Kovalev, so I had him free up. And then the next two I gave to Ward, so I had it 3-2 after five. Uh, going into the sixth, I, re I really couldn't um, separate them. I actually gave it a, you know, an, an even round, a 10-10 round. And then going into the seventh, I gave it to Ward. So going into that eighth round, where obviously we know what happened there, I actually had it a draw. Some people had it with Kovalev, some people had it with Ward. I'm going to go over to you. If you did score the fight, we'll ask your, your opinion, Ayaz and B. But, um, yeah, it was a good fight. I mean, you know, it was, it was for me, it was kind of fought at a pace what Kovalev's not really used to. Some people were saying that he, I think even the commentators were saying that he was kind of setting the pace. It was all being done at his pace. I disagree. I don't think it was done at his pace. I really thought that Andre Ward was making him work a lot harder than he did in the first fight. And he tired... Um, Possible. I mean, he kind of tired around the same time as he did in the last fight, and you know, he took on like a conditioner in this in in this camp. So, um, yeah, for me, I I just really thought that Sergei Kovalev again he kind of um underperformed, but I think last time it was very harsh. I think he should have won the fight, but this time. Um, I had him to win, obviously, I, as you had him to, to lose, you had Andre Ward to win, you predicted it right, but for me, I did see a really good right hand just before the stoppage, and I also saw a really good, I think it was a really good um, left hook to the body, like right on the ribs, you know, a really good shot, both of those punches landed by Andre Ward, and then it seemed like there was three repeated uppercuts straight into the nuts of... Kovalev. Now, I could have got that wrong. Some people said that the first one was, you know, kind of like it was a legal shot. It was kind of on the, you know, on the line. It was just sort of just around like borderline as they kept they kept throwing out that word borderline. Now, the other two, I haven't really seen it disputed that they were underneath that that line there. So they were actually low blows, but they were not called. There was also a low blow in round seven that was not called. And on the replay, it certainly was a low blow. So the referee didn't have a great job there, Tony Weeks. Um, but for me, I felt like Ward was really taking over. But it was a bit of a shame because we didn't get to see it end in the way I would have liked to see it end. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel very sorry for Kovalev because for him, he kind of feels like he's been hard done by by the officials twice in a row now. So I feel for him, but his record now 30-2 and two with one draw. Andre Ward 32-0. and oh. Absolutely phenomenal fighter. Can't take nothing away from him. He's really impressed me in both fights, to be honest. What did you make of it, Ayaz? I'll come over to you first. I think it was a very good fight. I reckon it was, it was a bit similar to the first one. However, they were um, they were both going for a knockout. Obviously, Kovalev said that he's going in for the knockout, and Andre Ward said he's going in for a knockout. Now, we know Andre Ward is not a knockout artist, but if you look at his fights, he's won 16 of them via knockout. Now, in the early round, you see, you can see that Kovalev is trying to hurt. Um, Kovalev was going for that knockout, but it wasn't. He didn't really get. He didn't really hurt Andre Ward as much. And obviously, come the eighth round, Andre Ward hit him with that right ha right hand, and obviously you can see Kovalev was really hurt when Andre Ward hit him. I thought, in my opinion, hit him with a low blow, but in my I think that was a controversial. I reckon the referee shouldn't have stopped it. I reckon what the referee should have done has given a count, and that, in my opinion, was wrong. He shouldn't have stopped. It. He should have given Kovalev a count, and if that count was happened, then obviously this wouldn't have happened. Now, obviously, Ward won the fight, and after the fight, yeah, he, they asked him, would they like a rematch? I wouldn't want to see the rematch again. I'll tell you what I'd like to see. Ward says that um, he wouldn't mind going up. He'll move up to Cruiserweight. Now, in my opinion, I wouldn't like to see him go up to Cruiserweight as of yet. I want him to fight Adonis Stevenson, unify that division. I know he's unified. He's got the WBO, WBA, and IBF. I want him to fight Adonis Stevenson and then move up. To Cruiserweight and fight someone like a Tony Bailey, I reckon that'd be a very good fight. Or Usyk. Yeah, there's a lot of good fights out there for him. I don't really think we're going to see Tony Bellew back at Cruiserweight anytime soon, though. But what I will say is he could have gave um, Kovalev a standing count. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. They've kind of gone out of fashion a little bit now. I'm not sure if all states in America actually allow that in their rules. Um, First and foremost, what I will say is he was already warned for low blows, Andre Ward. Now, for him to throw two in a row there, he would have surely been, you know, he would have been properly told off by Tony Weeks. 
I think that he would have probably even had a point taken off. And if that were to have happened, and Kovalev would have then ended up winning that round 10-8, it could have, and even took a five-minute break, it could have really, really been, you know, it would have been a fight where Andre Wall would have pretty much had to win every single round um, just to get a decision there. So, but no, I don't know. It, it was just one of those fights. It was a bit controversial, just like the last. Um, I'd like to see it again because I don't really think anyone's going to be able to get anywhere near Adonis Stevenson in terms of a contract. He, you know, he, he seems to really select his opponents. But um, yeah, I'd like to see him in the mix at some point. We need to see Adonis surely in a big fight at some point, a big fight where he's perhaps unifying or fighting somebody that has really got a threat level towards him, which um, he hasn't done for quite a while now. Ever since he actually picked up the title, he's been, he's been really uh, you know, selective with his opponents. But... Uh, just before we move on from this, I'm going to go over to you, B. I know that you watched this fight. I know that this one was a fight that you was looking forward to for a long time. What did you make of the whole thing? Yeah, um, just going back to the beginning, really, for the scoring of the fight. Uh, I feel like I've got a lot to say about this one, actually. Um, yeah, I had it close, similar. I had Kovalev uh, winning the first three. Um, I had then Ward coming back on the fourth. And then I had, anyway, it was I, I, by the end of it, by the end of the seventh round, I had it at uh, 67 actually to Kovalev and 66 to Ward. I think Ward was coming on stronger towards the seventh round. And I even saw like a little smirk on the end of the uh, the sixth round there from, from Ward, thinking that, you know, he's got it. But then the eighth, I was so annoyed actually. I was swearing at the TV at the time when I saw them three low blows. I just, I was like, you know, I couldn't believe it. I didn't know how the ref missed it, really. And then I was just disappointed with that result because I do think that Ward may have, well, he was coming on strong. He probably would have finished the fight from there. Um, so why doesn't he just win in the fair way that it should be done? I was really enjoying the fight and I was highly disappointed, disgusted, really, on, on how that happened. Um, or it could have gone the other way as well, because um, as what you said, um, it could have been a 10-8 round or points taken off, etc. So I want to see it again, to be honest with you, because it's unfinished business. With um, the post-fight as well afterwards, I did hear Ward. I've seen a, a little bit of video um, footage with reference to um, Ward talking. Someone obviously asked him about the uh, the low blows. He didn't deny it, actually. He just mentioned about Kovalev hitting him around the back of the head. So it's not like he even denied it, really. Um, so as I said, disappointed. What I do want to see, though, going to Ayaz with where he should go next. Again, I want to see him with Adonis Stevenson. However, I don't think he'll take the fight because I think Adonis is a lot powerful, more powerful. Um, and I think Ward will be the one that will be diverting and running away from this fight. Um, I do think he should go for it, though, as what I said, unification um, of the belts. But I do think he'll try and attempt to move up um, in weight. Tony Bellew, I don't know whether he'll come down again now um, or where he's going to go. Um, the Usyk fight, yeah, could be a good one for Ward. Um, but I'm not. he's not in our good books anyway right now. So um, we'll leave it at that one. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, I mean, firstly, I think, I think he, I, I'd be pretty surprised if he does swerve that... Um, the Adonis fight, especially if his reasons for that are to move up, you know, if his reasons for that are to to, to stay away from that one punch ferocious power that, um, you know, Adonis Stevenson's left hand possesses, to then go up to cruiserweight where there's arguably, well, I wouldn't say maybe the one punch knockout artist, but there's guys up there that of course can bang as well. Um, he's got to be careful really because I think if he moves up too far like perhaps maybe fighting Usyk I think that could probably be a bit of a silly move I think maybe he he loses that fight so I think he's got to be careful with what he does I think possibly the Kovalev third fight probably won't bring in as much money as the, the other two did and I know that they really didn't do too well anyway so um, yeah he's in a bit of a stalemate to be honest but um, nonetheless a good fighter and as you said there you touched on um, he didn't really um, you know try and avoid talking about or or the denying the, the fact that he threw low blows during the fight. I think that when the question was asked, it was probably 
about low blows in general because I think there were so many that I'm not even sure that he knew which one they were talking about. You know, there was uh, there was many low blows. Uh, Tony Weeks, as you said as well, didn't really do a great job. But we'll leave that card there. Moving over now from Las Vegas, Nevada to the Totstitos Championship Plaza in Texas, the final bill to mention from last weekend. A couple of fights on this bill, really. Um, two young prospects from the Robert Garcia gym over in the US. Hector Tanahara, a man that's been on the show before. He moved to double figure wins. He's now 10 and 0. He picked up a majority decision win over six rounds against Eduardo Rafael Reyes, who had a record of 8 and 9. Um, Hector Tanahara has actually had a bit of a hectic few months as well. Um, I remember one fight he was in, I think it was two fights back, he was dropped and he, he got up off the canvas to win on points. Um, his last fight, I think he won pretty comfortably, might have even been a stoppage, and now this fight, just a majority decision. So, uh, yeah, it's been a bit hectic for Hector. And also, Joshua Franco moved to 11-0. and He also picked up the vacant WBC Youth Silver Super Flyweight title against Oscar Mojica, who had a record of 10-2. and So, a good win there for Joshua Franco over eight rounds at Super Flyweight. And top of the bill over there, Fidel Maldonado Jr., 23-3 and with one draw, took on Pablo Cesar Cano, who had a record of 30-5 and with one draw. Maldonado was down once in round four. It was for the vacant WBC. A Fecker Box super lightweight title. Um, I actually said last week I think that it was going to be a good fight. I didn't manage to catch it. I've got to hold my hands up there, but it was a split decision win for Fidel Maldonado Jr. So he was down in round four, but got up off the canvas to win a split decision. So very, very good action. It sounds like very good action anyway there from the Tostitos over in Texas. So we're going to leave that there. That is the reviewing done. That's everything from last week covered. We're now going to bring in guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current USBA middleweight champion, but more importantly, the man of the hour, Mr. Lewis Arias. Lewis, welcome back on the show, my friend. It's been a long time. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. It's my pleasure. So, Lewis, you opened up the TV card. I'm not sure if it was the same in the US, but here in the UK, you opened up the show. Um, I was watching it live. You were set to take on what would be on paper your toughest opponent to date, Arif Magomedov. Um, he had a record of 18-1. and one. Now, Magomedov had some good names on his record, arguably some more standout names than you actually had on your record. He beat some, some good guys along the way until he met you. Unbelievable performance from yourself on the weekend, my friend. What did you make of it? Um, thanks, man. No, uh, I, I felt like I, I made my statement. You know, I, I came... I came into that fight knowing I had to make a statement. I had to prove that I was one of the best in the division. And I think I did exactly just that. You know, I think it was a great performance. And I got the job done. You know, I said I would knock him out, and I knocked him out. And, Lewis, that was a fight where, as I said just there, it was supposed to be your toughest fight, you know, in terms of if you look at look at the fight on paper, it, it seemed to be um, a test for you. It didn't really look like a test. You pretty much won every second of every round. You completely outclassed him. Did you impress yourself at all with that performance? Um, no, no. I, um, I felt like I did exactly what I needed to do. Uh, I always thought I was a bigger fighter. I had the more skills. Had the more tools, and you know, I felt like he was basic. You know, what I mean, like, he was tough, he was strong, but it was just too one-dimensional. And uh, I, I proved it. You know, I did just that. I knew that uh, once I hit him down, once I touched him downstairs, it was a wrap for him, and um, it went just that way. You know, once I started slowing him down, it was pretty much over. It was only a matter of time. And what impressed me the most was the mean streak. I remember you went back to your corner at the round, uh, at, the, at the end of round four, and um, you had a good round in round four. That was fair enough. But I didn't feel, I didn't really feel like uh, your opponent was done. It just goes to show what you know, what you see when you're in the ring, rather than what you can see on the TV. You said to your trainer, "He's done," and it was picked up on a corner microphone as soon as you said that you came out in the fifth round on a search and destroy mission and you put him out anything else to add to to that fight or should we leave that there <laughs> no i mean like i said I, I can you know i can read a fighter you know it's only a certain time like i think he hit so many times it's only a matter of time and i could just i can see it in his eyes you know so i knew he was done and i got him out of there so we did just that, you know. I trained to do exactly what 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 I what happened, you know. I trained to do that, so 
I just got it done. Absolutely, my friend. Well said. So, um, just, just, um, I think it was just yesterday you put out a tweet saying, um, "Who do you guys want to see me fight next? Are you looking to be fighting really soon, Lewis, or or poss- possibly in a few months' time?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I would like to fight, you know, sometime in the fall, you know, late August, maybe early September, you know, get a date in September. So uh, as long as I can come back, you know, sooner than later, you know. Uh, I didn't take any punishment. I mean, my hands are all right. You know, I just need some time to myself, and then we can get the next day going ASAP. So you know, I'm ready. I'll be in the gym. And obviously, a lot of people responded to that tweet, throwing a few names in what they'd like to see you uh, share the ring with. Is there anyone that you've got that you'd like to uh, to fight next yourself? I would like to fight. You know, I just need I just need anybody with a name. You know. Uh, like I already said, you know, guys with a, dis- a decent name in the game, you know, like somebody like Andy Lee, you know, I want to get David Lemieux before the year's up or early next year, you know, um, just, you know, anybody who the public knows, you know, uh, like you said, on paper, just I don't have any names on my record. So I just need some names, guys that people think would be a tough fight for me so I can prove that, you know, I'm the best in the division. So anybody, I'm ready for all of them. It didn't matter, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a I'm at a high level right now, so anybody can get it. Anybody can get it. Now, Lewis, you just named two guys there that um, I've written a little list of guys that I would like to see you perhaps step in the ring with. I just want to go through the names. If you just give me a sentence on if you think that fight would be a good fight or if you don't think that fight would be a good fight or anything else that comes to mind about these guys. I didn't include Andy Lee or David Lemieux. I kind of probably went just a little level back from that in some of the names that I put down. Um, what do you think about the Willie Monroe Jr. fight? Um, I think it. I think it's a good fight, you know. Uh, but Willie, uh, I don't think Willie has a big enough name, you know. But if that fight comes to the table, you know, I'll take that fight. But anybody. And what about Ishay Smith? Or is that is it? That's a friend of yours, if I'm not mistaken. Does that? Nah. You don't. You don't want Ishay, to fight. You're Ishay, too close. <laughs> nah, Ishay. Ishay. You know, and that, you know, towards the tail end of his career, and he's really a 154, so. I don't really see see that as, as as helpful. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. What's your take on the uh, Jamal Charlo thing? You know, he he was a great fighter at one fifty four. He's now binned his belt. He's come up to one sixty. How about that one? Yeah, that fight. I think that fight is going to happen eventually. You know, I think that's a good fight. And uh, eventually, we're both headed towards the same direction. And uh, it looks like we're going to meet one day, and that's going to be a great fight. And I'm looking forward to that fight. What about Gabe Rosado or Curtis Stevens? Again, two guys that have been in the ring with Triple G, yeah. biggish names. Yeah, those, those those are two guys, two 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 names that you know that work. You know, like I said, Gabe Rosado has a big following. A lot of people know who he is. You know, he's known to give everybody a tough fight. Somebody like Gabe Rosado, I could fight a Martin Murray. You know, that's a good fight. You know, big name. You know, guys like that. You know, that that's one of my resume. You know, that have fought multiple world champions. You know, that fought, you know, in tough fights, that proved to be tough fights like that. So, um, <clears throat> look at fight guys like that, you know, but I'm going to just let, uh, you know, my team pick and choose and whoever comes to the table, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat them, treat them the same. Yeah, absolutely. And the last name I want to throw at you now, this is going to be a bit of a wild card. You probably wasn't expecting this name. It's just, I'm just going to throw it out. Sergio Mora. I like that fight. Yeah. That's that. That's a good fight too. You know, Sergio Marco. You know that works. That's a good fight. You know, uh, it's another name. You know that works. You know, I don't know, man. I'm I'm gonna be a tough fight. You know, I, I feel like a lot of people aren't gonna step up to the plate to just fight me easy like that. Now, I think I made a, a clear enough statement that it don't matter who I fight. You know, it's gonna be hard to beat me. So we'll see, man. Wh- whoever they bring to the table, I'm willing to fight. Absolutely. Now, your former promoter, and I know that last time you were on the show we spoke all about this, but your former promoter, Floyd Mayweather and yourself, are you still not on good terms? Are there hostile feelings between you both? No. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, um, I'm, I'm I'm moving forward with my career. You know, I'm doing my thing. You know, uh, I learned a lot from over there, and, you know, it's cool. It ain't no hard feelings. You know, uh, you, you move on. You know, you know, I've moved on. 
And the the reaction, I wanted to get your reaction to the main event of the card that you fought on on Saturday night, Ward Kovalev 2. Should there be a third fight? What did you make of that fight first? Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was a real good fight. You know, I thought it had a great ending. I felt like it was real competitive. You know, uh, leading up to the knockout, you know, uh, Ward looked sharp, Kovalev looked sharp. I thought it was a great fight. And it was it had another crazy ending. You know, um, should they fight again? You know, I don't know, maybe down the road, down the road. I don't see why. I mean, that's two W's, you know. So maybe maybe if Kovalev gets a couple wins, you know, and Ward gets a couple wins, and for whatever reason they want to do a third, they can do a third. But I don't see that. I don't think there needs to be, like, an immediate rematch again. Yeah, fair point, fair point. Yeah, another uh, slightly controversial ending, but um, we'll have to wait and see with those two. So, uh, yeah, your, your former promoter returning to the ring August 26 against a man making his boxing debut. The man is going to be, um, he's going to break records for, for being paid the most in, in a boxing debut in history. Have you got any interest in that whole fight there? <laughs> no, not really. But uh, it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, but uh, sure. it's going to be a big event. It's going to be a big event. And um, the in hopefully the undercard's good. I'm hoping so. They're gonna have to be. Uh, They're gonna have to be. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. It's uh, it's it's just gonna struggle to get some of the hardcore fans involved. But I don't even think they need it. I think it's got so much attention that um, they don't even really need an undercard in some ways. But we'll have to wait and see for that one. So Louis Shaw mm. ranked seventh with the IBF in world rankings, if I'm not mistaken. The IBF champion is currently Gennady Golovkin. Um, he, at this moment in time, is tied up with the Canelo fight. The uh, the press conference was earlier this week. The uh, the first press conference they did was in the UK. I was there. Who do you think wins that fight, in your opinion, Lewis? A great fight. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good fight. Uh, I'm going to endorse Golovkin, though. I think he's too big. You know, but Canelo definitely has the skills. So we're going to see. It's going to be a good fight. And the final question I'm going to throw at you, I wasn't going to ask you it, but when you said anyone can get it, it kind of threw Adrian Broner in my head for a minute there. Adrian Broner taking on Mikey Garcia. Wonderful fight. What's your take on that one? Yeah. Great fight, man. I'm hoping uh, Broner looks in incredible shape. You know, if Broner comes in in shape in the 140 and he's the Broner that we, we know he is, uh, I, I definitely think he could be able to pull this fight off, you know. So um, I just don't know what Broner's going to show up. But uh, it's going to be a great fight. You know, I think that's a real skilled 50-50 fight. Yeah, some brilliant fights this year being made, and that certainly is one of them. Right, finally, just before we let you go, Lewis, any message at all you want to send out to anybody at all before we let you go? Anything you want to say? No, not much. Just, uh, you know, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter at Luis Arias, And, you know, I'll let y'all know when the next fight is. Hopefully it's soon. Yeah, absolutely. That's Luis Cuba Arias. That's L-U-I-S-C-U-B-A-A-R-I-A-S for those that uh, uh, didn't understand when he said it a little bit quick there. Okay, listen, Luis, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Congrats once again on your win on the weekend. Thanks for taking time to speak with us, and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. All right, thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, it's the same thing every week. We go over to Ayaz with the latest boxing news from around the world. Ayaz. Heavyweight contender Brian Jennings has signed with top-ranked boxing. Yes, um, it's, I don't know. He's, he's kind of he's a guy that, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had two back-to-back -back fights for world titles. I think... Um, he fought uh, Vladimir Klitschko, he lost that fight. Then he fought Luis Ortiz for the WBA belt, whatever one he had, the interim WBA belt at the time, or whatever Luis Ortiz had. Um, so he kind of had two back-to-back -back fights, and I don't really think he necessarily deserved them, and I don't really think he necessarily has built his career in the way that he's ready for those fights. I don't really think he's had enough learning fights to be in that position. Um, you know, I'm not taking nothing away from him. He's a good guy. He's talented, and um, I wish him all the best, really, because he's been too inactive. I know that he was with Gary Shaw, and to hear that he's now with um, with, with Top Rank, which is obviously one of the world's leading boxing promoters, it's good news for him. So hopefully, we see him a little bit more active in the future. Uh, that's all I've got to say on that one, Ayers. Roman Gonzalez will look to regain his world title in a rematch with Rungsavai on September the ninth. 
yes, obviously a fight that many people thought could have gone either way, a fight that um, Chocolatito was down in uh, as well and, and cut. And um, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was, it was a very close fight. I was very sad because I wanted him to overtake Mayweather's um, 49-0. and 0. I think he was 46-0 and 0 or 45-0. and 0. And then, unfortunately, he got a loss to that guy from, uh, from Thailand with about five different names. But uh, we wish him all the very best in the rematch. Hopefully he can avenge that loss. Box Nation will, um, will air Canelo uh, Triple G in UK on September 16th. Yes, a press conference that happened earlier this week. I was there as well. Um, it was really good to actually be there. It was one of those press conferences where the the time it was scheduled for was 12.30 for one. And um, I like to kind of get there just before 12.30. But when I got there just before 12.30, there were seats taken already. Like, there was such a big turnout. You don't always get that at Frank Warren events, which is very unfortunate. But he seriously got a big crowd there. Um, you know, two of the world's best superstars and biggest superstars in in pound for pound boxing right now. So it was good to see a great turnout for those guys. It was the first stop of their um, their world tour in terms of um, press conference promotion for their big fight in September 16th. But um, yeah, it was a great fight. I asked uh, Golovkin a question as well in the press conference. Um, I think I said to him because uh, because basically Canelo's. Canelo's coach, um, Eddie Reynoso, he actually made it very clear. He said, "We're going into this fight um, to, to to knock Gennady Golovkin out. We're not we're not going to win on points. We're, we're we're going into that fight to knock him out." And I said to Golovkin, "You know, you've been hit by some big guys. You've also sparred Canelo a long time ago. Do you feel that he's got the power to knock you out?" And um, Golovkin gave a, a long and detailed answer. So um, I won't say what he says because it's not it's not as scary saying it in my voice. I like when he just goes. This is boxing. This is boxing. And the way he says it. So uh, if you want to see that, head over and see the, uh, the, the, the press conference. You'll see my question asked. It was about 31 minutes in. Uh, you'll just hear my deep voice coming on the, uh, on, on the mic. <laughs> I was a little bit too close to the mic at one point. And Golovkin couldn't find me either. He was, uh, his, his eyes were going all around the room. I had to wave me, uh, my hand above my head. But yeah, enough of that one. A, a great fight eyes, of course. And I'm yep. happy that um, I'm happy that Box Nation shine it. Actually, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be. I think they're doing a pay per view thing for it, but I don't know for um, for you know for guys that are already subscribed to Box Nation. I'm not sure if that comes included or you actually have to pay on the one off for that fight. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Right, Savannah Marshall will make a professional debut on August 26th at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas as part of the Mayweather McGregor undercard. Yeah, um, Mayweather obviously signed her to, to his promotional stable when he was over in the UK for that short spell. Um, so yeah, you know, she's a really talented fighter. It's going to be good to see her embark on her pro career, not just because she's with Mayweather, but because she's talented herself. And it's a great stage. I'm sure there's many people out there that would love to debut on a card that's going to be that big, despite it being a bit of a circus act. What a fight to debut on! What a, what a card! You know what exposure that that whole thing is going to be when it's all put together. Javante Davis will return to the ring on August 26th as part of the Mayweather McGregor undercard, to, and he's expected to defend his IBF belt. Yeah, Javante Davis, obviously, you know, a, uh, a young protege, a man that's been manufactured in many ways by Floyd Mayweather, as we just mentioned. Um, yeah, it's another addition to the undercard. There's obviously going to be a lot more. I think they're even talking about Badu Jack potentially being on that bill. There's a lot of rumours about him and who he may be fighting, but um, no, it's shaping up to be a good bill. To be honest, I think uh, it has to be to get to get some of the hardcores that have decided, I'm not buying this fight. I think it needs to be a good undercard to get that audience brought in as well. Well, it, uh, you know, just really to make more um, to make more dollars, as they say. Um, is that it for the news, Ayers? Natasha Jones has signed with Matron Boxing and will feature on the next gen um, show this Friday, coming Friday. Yes, absolutely. It's um, it's a strange one because I don't really know too much about the amateurs and I don't really know too much about the female side of the amateurs. But from what I've heard, I think that Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas may be. Um, had a few fights in the amateurs. I might, you might be able to come in here, B, if you know anything about that. Did they have some fights in the amateurs, or do you know? I don't know actually, no. No, fair enough, fair enough. I don't have a clue, but I think they they had a bit of rivalry. They might have had a, a fight or two. So, um, 
I was a bit surprised when I saw them sign her, but you know that Eddie Hearn's absolutely huge on Katie Taylor, and I found it a bit surprising. Whenever they sign someone, they do a press conference. They haven't done the press conference. She's fighting straight away. It's the first thing she's doing, so I found that a bit shocking. So uh, hopefully she's not playing second fiddle to Katie Taylor. Hopefully they both get a fair um, a fair shake and a, a, you know and both a fair crack at the whip. So um, very best of luck to her, of course. Um, you know, a woman that I thought was actually walking away from the sport. I think she gave birth not too long ago. But uh, you know, it's great to see her, you know, embarking on a pro career just like her her perhaps rival. She could even be best of mates. I don't even know too much about the uh, the amateur scene. But yeah, her and Katie Taylor both with Eddie Hearn and. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Any more news for us, Az? That's it for the news. Okay, my friend, thank you very much. Right, now it's time for part two. We're going to dive into the preview, and we're going to try and go through this as quick as possible. We're going to start with the Walker Activity Dome in Newcastle, Tynham Ware, United Kingdom, the next-gen show. Uh, a couple fights to mention, really, on this bill. Anthony Fowler's on it. Um, Stuart Hall's on it, former world champion. Bradley Saunders is on it. Um... As we also mentioned there, Natasha Jonas making her debut. All of those people are on it. All of those opponents are yet to be announced, which is never a promising thing to see. And probably the main fight, a man that's making his homecoming, Josh Kelly, a man that was on the show a few weeks back as well. He's in his third professional contest. He's a man that's very um, exciting to watch, a man with a style that is just suited to the pros so much. And um, he's a lovely guy, so I wish him all the very best in his fight against Tom Whitfield, who has a record of 4-1. and one. So a good little opponent there, good little record on paper. Um... Josh Kelly, unlike many other guys that have just turned over, everybody he's fought so far, he's only fought two guys, this is going to be his third guy, they've all had winning records, you know, they've, they haven't had like 97 losses and, you know, 10 wins, he's going in there to, to fight some good guys and he's doing it at a pace that will capture a lot of boxing fans because people don't want to see those big mismatches, he's doing it the old fashioned way in many ways, so all the very best of luck to Josh Kelly. Moving over now to the Hotel Jaragua over in the Dominican Republic, one fight to mention over there, Javier Fortuna, 31-1 and one with one draw takes on prospect Nicholas Javier who has a record of 16-0. and 0. I don't really know too much about Javier, I've only found out about him this week, he's got a couple of solid wins on his record but um, it's a major step up here against Javier Fortuna. Uh, it should be a good fight, though. We'll definitely look out for who wins that one. Moving over now to Poland. A fantastic card over in Poland, by the way. Um, again, Polish are not really known for putting on fantastic cards, but this is a really good card. Cruiserweight Adam Bowski, very good prospect. Another name that uh, you know people should remember because he's going to be a household name soon enough. Adam Bowski, 9-0, takes on Lukasz Janik, 28-3. A really big step up here for Adam Bowski. It's an eight-rounder at Cruiserweight, that one. Also on the bill, um, Maciel Sulecki, 24-0, takes on Damian Ezekiel Bonelli, who has a record of 24-1, so that should be a really good fight. Uh, two guys unbeaten as well, I don't really know too much about these guys, but Lucas Wisebicki, 12-0, takes on Robert Tlaktlik, Tlak- <laughs> 20-0, so... Uh, should be a bang up there. That's an eight-rounder at super lightweight. Also, former world champion, former WBO cruiserweight world champion, Christoph Glowacki. Really good fighter. His only loss was to Usyk for the title. He takes on Hisni Ultankaya, who's 29-0. I've never heard of him, but he's 29-0. Certainly can't be overlooked. Really good fight on paper, that. Matthias Mastanek, former opponent of Tony Bellew. His record, 38-4. He takes on Ishmael Salak, a man that was stopped, I remember, by um, Sergei Kov. A, uh, a couple years back, his record 25 and 3 should be another good fight. And top of the bill, Thomas Adamek, the Polish legend, 50 and 5. His record now it's a 12 rounder at heavyweight against Solomon Halmuno, who has a record of 24 and 3 with two draws. He's took on a few guys, can't remember who now, but I've seen that name before. All the very best to all those guys fighting over in Poland. Moving over now to Manchester, Lancashire this weekend. Uh, former world title challenger Jimmy Kim. Rain Kelly, 21 and 1, takes on Pavel Semjunov, 20 and 6 with two draws. This one's for the vacant IBF East and West Europe Super Welterweight title. Um, Jimmy Kelly's a man I haven't really seen too much of. I just remember that fight with Liam Smith, but I do know, B, that you've spent some time with Jimmy Kelly recently. So is he is he up for this fight? Is this a fight that we should definitely watch? Yes, um, definitely one to watch for Jimmy Kelly. Um, I spent some time with him a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, yeah, he was devastated after that that fight, the loss for the world title. Um, but since then, he's had five straight wins on the bounce. And um, he seems really focused and ready for it. I do believe he's going to win it as well. Um, I know he's been after um, Jared Hurt also. Um, he wants that. He'll be once he wins this uh, the IBF, he will be then in the rankings. I think in the top fifteen. So that's when he's going to chase more of his dreams really and go for the other belts. So yeah, definitely a great one to watch. Yeah, we wish Jimmy Kelly well the very best of luck in that fight there over in Manchester this weekend. Uh, as you mentioned, there he's hopefully going to be ranked in the top fifteen, providing he gets through this fight. Uh, Jarrett Hurd on the agenda. Jarrett Hurd obviously in a big fight against a man that was on our show last week, Austin Trout. So uh, maybe a new champion at hand, but we'll have to wait and see. Also on that bill, Con Sheehan. He's five and zero. His opponent yet to be announced. I'm not sure how many rounds the fight's for as well. Uh, Con Sheehan obviously being trained by the master Peter Fury. There's no other way to put it. Moving over now to California. One fight to mention over there. A man that we've been talking about for so long on this show. We've tried to get him on many times. I think he's a little bit too big for us now. He's a guy over in the States called Devin Haney. 15-0. and 0. He's only 18 years of age. He was sparring Floyd Mayweather the other day. The man is definitely a name for the future. He's, 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 uh, he's a name that we've mentioned so many times on this show that you must have heard of him if you've listened before in any show. He's in an eight-rounder at lightweight against a man with a record of eight and five with two draws. I'd like to see a bit of a step up, but all the very best to Devin Haney. Moving over now to the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. One fight to mention on this bill, really. Former world champion Kermit Sintrom, 39 and five with three draws. He's in a 10-rounder at 154, the super welterweight division against Tyrone Brunson who has a record of 24 and 6 with two draws also this Sunday at the Ford Community Center in Dearborn Michigan USA the final fight to mention of the preview part of the show former world champion well, a former guest on this show, he's a friend of the show. Everybody that's been on the show before remains a friend of the show for life. Cornelius K9 Bundridge, 35 and 6, takes on Juan Carlos Rojas, 8 and 20 with two draws. So, you know, a losing record there. Cornelius Bundridge looking to get back in the picture. He's got the same birthday as me, actually. So, added love for Mr. K9 Bundridge. It's an eight round of that one at Super Welterweight. And that's really it for the preview and we've done all the review and we did the news we did guest number one it's now time for guest number two ladies and gentlemen please welcome a man that we've got a lot of love for on this show he's been on the show a couple of times he's even on the intro for every week's show of course it is the beast mr mikey garcia mikey welcome to the show well, hello and thank you very much for for that uh always a pleasure being with you the pleasure is mine, my friend. So, Mikey, first things first. We last spoke before your last fight against Zlaty Kanin. Uh, I just really wanted to congratulate you on that win. It was a brilliant performance, and it was rounded off by a devastating knockout. Any words you want to add to that fight just before we move on to what's next for you? Oh, well, it was just a wonderful uh, night for me. I really was happy with, with my performance, and you know that victory put me right back in, in the spotlight, and um, it's opening doors for bigger fights. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So in that fight, you dethroned Zlaty Kanin and became the WBC lightweight world champion. This upcoming fight you have is at 140. Are you still the reigning champ at 135? Yes, still uh, still the WBC lightweight uh, champion, but we took this optional fight at 140 pounds um, with uh, Adrian Broner. But I still have plans and, and hope to uh, unify titles at 135. So I want to come down to 135 lightweight division and defend or unify the title after after the Broner fight. Okay, thank you very much for clearing that up. That was uh, something I was a little bit confused about. Right, so now the fight itself, as you just mentioned there, it's five weeks away this weekend. You take on Adrian Broner on July 29th at the Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York. There's no belt on the line, obviously, but this fight does not need a belt, in my opinion. Here in the UK, people are going wild for this fight. What has it been received like over in the States, Mikey, by the media out there and the boxing fans, of course, out there too? It's been a great, great uh, turnout. Uh, fans and media are very excited for it. I hear, uh, you know, all, all the buzz, you know, is going surrounding the the fight with, you know, Broner and myself. So it's being accepted very well. People are 
anticipating a great matchup, which I think it's, it's going to be a great fight. And uh, I'm just very, very happy to be uh, giving, giving the, the fight fans, you know, fights that they are excited about, fights that are, are you know, memorable fights like that. So that's why we're really doing all that we can to uh, give those kinds of fights to, to all the fans. Yeah, absolutely, and there's many great fights that are being made this year, and certainly uh, yourself and Broner are certainly putting one on. It's a, it's a fantastic fight. What do you make of Adrian Broner as a fighter, Mikey? He's obviously an extremely talented boxer when his head's screwed on properly and he's properly dedicated. Well, you said it yourself, when his head's screwed on properly, he's, he's a talented fighter. He's great. He's got great skills, uh, speed, power, reflexes, counterpunch. You know, he, he, he can do it all. Um and and that's what I, I expect to, to see on July 29th. I expect him to be at 100%. Um, he's taking things a lot serious for this fight, so I cannot expect anything less. And, and that's going to allow me to perform to another level also. That's going to bring out the best out of me. And obviously, we all know that Broner hasn't made the 140 limit since September of 2014. I've heard that there are stipulations should Broner fail to make the weight. Could you just elaborate on that a little bit, uh, Mikey? What will happen if he doesn't make the weight? Well, when the fight was uh, offered and, and mentioned, I made it clear that I couldn't do anything higher than 140. So I made it clear that I wanted a max of uh, uh, you know, 140 pounds. And he agreed. He said he agreed no no problem um but there are going to be some uh penalties in case he doesn't make the the weight you know just like in every fight if you don't make weight there's penalties to to pay and the commission and and the teams get to uh negotiate that but um he agreed on 140 without hesitation tells me that he's gonna be ready he's gonna prepare himself and and uh be in great shape Okay, fair enough. And Broner has obviously only lost just twice against two really good fighters. A loss to Sean Porter most recently. And then, of course, that memorable night on the 14th of December 2013 when he literally took a bit of a beating from your, your stablemate, your gym mate, um, Marcos Maidana. <laughs> Some people forget the mastermind behind Maidana's game plan is your older brother, Robert Garcia, who will be in your corner. I give Robert a lot of credit. I think he's an exceptional trainer. I'm sure that you're very happy to have him in your corner, not just on fight night, but all the way. It's very much a family affair when you step in the ring. Of course, and it's, it's great, you know, having my brother with all his experience and knowledge in the sport as a fighter and as a trainer. Um, you know, it, it combines both both worlds and, and really helps me in my fight game. But uh, I, I think, uh, you know, with the game plan, with the right training, um, we, can, we can beat anybody. And um, he did it. With Maidana, he beat Broner for took his his undefeated record with with uh, Marcos Maidana uh, years ago, and um, we we have already started working on on game plan for for Adrian, but hey, it doesn't have to be the same as Marcos because Marcos has a whole different arsenal of tools than what I do with different fight styles, but we can always incorporate and try to you know use a little bit of of everything to uh, overcome any obstacles and challenges that Broner might might present. And Maidana has got a reputation of being a huge puncher. Sean Porter is a big puncher too. However, you actually, and I'm going to throw out a statistic here that you may not know, you've actually got a higher knockout ratio than both of those guys. Uh, they couldn't manage to put Broner out. Do you believe that you've got the power to knock him out? Well, I, I think I have uh, the power and to, to uh, put him down and uh, possibly stop him. It just depends on the uh, amount of punishment he can take or the kind of power he can take also. I think, I think you know, the right punch uh, with the right amount of force behind it can put out anybody. And, and that's, that's not exactly what I'm looking for in this fight, but I do feel that it's very likely to uh, present out and I will be able to stop him. And Mikey, that, that little stat that I just gave you there, was you aware that you had the higher um, knockout ratio than those guys? No, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that, but uh, that's pretty interesting. There you go, my friend. It's all yours. Right, I just want to ask you a couple of questions about a couple of upcoming fights just before we let you go, Mikey. A huge fight. Um, it's just kicked off, really, with all the press conferences. Triple G and Canelo. I know that you really like both fighters a lot. Who do you see winning that one? I think it's actually a very good fight and a very even fight, 
be exact. I think uh, Canelo has improved a lot in the last several fights. Good boxing skills, good uh, speed, combination, head movement. He's really shown improvement. And Triple G has faced better quality opposition, which makes him look like not as a, as a monster as he once was. But, however, I still think Triple G takes this fight by a slight, slight margin. Okay, it's a big call. A lot of people are uh, a little bit afraid to kind of put their neck on the line and give a prediction there, so I'm happy that you <laughs> did that, Mikey. And also, I want to ask you about this one. It's uh, a very good friend of the show, um, Lee Selby, obviously, um, IBF world champion. He's taken on a former opponent of yourself. It's his mandatory, uh, Jonathan Victor Barros. You're the only man to have stopped Barros in his entire career. Have you got any advice for Lee Selby to help get the win on that one? Um, you know, Barros is, is no uh, easy foe. Uh, Barros is tough, rugged guy, and um, he's experienced. So I don't think I don't think it's gonna be a very easy easy matchup. However, I do think Selby is the better boxer, more most refined boxer with with better boxing. And uh, don't don't go out there looking for that knockout because it's, it's it's gonna be you know challenging to get. But uh, Selby can box circles around him. He could definitely win the fight in an easy title uh, defense for him and uh, you know, a nice 12-round decision where he can just box his ears off. We certainly hope so. And finally, Mikey, just before we, we let you go, the uh, the final question really, um, if you've got one, if you don't, then it's completely fine. Have you got any kind of prediction for the outcome of your fight? July 29th, how do you beat Adrian Broner? Well, I don't, I don't know if... Uh, I mean, I never like to predict anything like that, but... I do feel that um, I'm going to be ready to do whatever it takes to win. That being said, if I can box, I'm going to box. If I can counter, I'm going to counter him. If I have to put pressure and, and beat him that way, I'm going to put pressure. So I'll be ready to uh, win no matter what. No matter what he brings, I'm going to be a step above and step ahead of him. Absolutely. Okay, listen, Mikey, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. You know that anyway. Best of luck for the 29th of July. We will be supporting you from the UK. Thank you for taking your time to speak to us, and we'll no doubt catch up afterwards. Thank you very much for the uh, for support. Love all you guys out there in the UK. Thank you for wishing me well. Okay, and that wraps up episode 88 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'd like to thank our two guests on this week's show, Luis Cuba Arias, a man with a very bright future, and of course, the current WBC lightweight world champion, Mr. Mikey Garcia, who's in a huge mega fight next month. We're also going to be doing a competition in the next couple of weeks, in which you'll have a chance to get your hands on a signed boxing glove by the up-and-coming unbeaten beast, and soon-to-be European champion, Mr. Anthony Yard. So watch out for that. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. B has been with us for the duration of the show as well, making her debut on this podcast. You can follow her if you wish to on Twitter at rock underscore Bernadette. We'll be back next week with another big show. As always, until then, take care and thanks for listening. <laughs>